Amen. <laughs> Amen. She's looking forward to it, yeah? So are we, of course. Um, all right, I want to pray over our tithes and offerings and just pray, you know, for the message here. Um, and the Lord just, he is working, he is good. Uh, the scripture I have for offering here is out of Exodus 36, verse 5. I absolutely love this. Um, and this, this is, you know, someday, you know, maybe this is where we all get to. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Amen? We are standing on that. More than enough for the church, more than enough in our personal finances. God is faithful. Cups overflowing. Amen? That's our prayer. Uh, and that's, our, that's what we want to see uh, day in and day out because he is so faithful to us. Uh, and before, before I pray over the offering... Uh, I also want to lift up our country in prayer. Can we do that for a minute? Uh, you know, there's stuff going on. And I'm not going to get into a political speech, and I'm not going to uh, say a whole lot about it. Uh, but I want us to pray as a country over, you know, this Equality Act. Uh, that is, I guess, past the House, is, is at the Senate. Uh, and I don't know, I don't think it'll pass the Senate, but whatever. Again, I'm not a political person. Uh, but there's things in it that are, I think, make me a little nervous uh, and is a little bit scary. And I just think as a country, we just need to pray. As Christians, we need to pray. Uh, and we just need to pray. And this, the scripture that came up to me uh, was out of Psalm 33. It's part of our reading again this week. I love how the Lord does this. Uh, verse, uh, verse 10, Psalm 33, verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The counsel of the Lord, not of our U.S. government, but the counsel of the Lord is what stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. So I just want to pray for our country. I believe this, this is, we believe that God is the Lord of this country. And I believe we just need to pray that this morning and come out on Wednesday nights. It's not a one-time prayer. This is a consistent prayer that we are crying out to the Lord. So we're going to pray over offering the message, and let's pray for our country. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for every gift, every giver. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough in our finances and in every area of our life. And we give you thanks for that, Lord. We give you thanks for that. Father, we just come to you as a church, Erie Christian Fellowship Church, for our country this morning. Father, we just ask, Lord, you love all people, and we know that, and we do as well, Lord. And Father, we just ask you now, in Jesus' name, Lord, that we would be the light unto this world, that we would be a light unto this country, Father God. Father, that we know you, and we will serve you, Lord, and that your counsel is what stands forever. Your heart and your plans for all generations is what will stand forever. So, Father, we stand on your word, we stand on your promises, not on any law, Father God, but on your promises, on your word. And, Father, we just lift up our government to you, the leaders, Father God, to you, the voting that happens, Father, not just for this, but for the many things that are before uh, our government, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that we can continue to worship you in freedom and in truth, no matter what the situation is. We can always worship you in freedom and in truth. And we thank you for these things and bless this message this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was going to go on and on about that, but I'm not going to. Uh, we're just going to get into the word of God this morning. I just think that's a better place where we just need to park ourselves. Amen? We've got to park ourselves right there. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 
It is my goal to finish chapter 2 today. Uh, we have been working through the book of 1 John over the, well, since the beginning of the year. And really the whole book is about abiding. Really the whole book is about abiding, about God's love, abiding in his love, abiding in Jesus. And it's really been our theme. It was the theme of our fast at the beginning of the year. It's really been our theme. And my goal here, I know we're going to be leading up to Easter. we got Jeremy Gall next week. But my goal is to at least finish chapter 2. That's my goal today. And where we left off last week is starting in verse 22. So 1 John 2, we're going to start it actually in verse 22 uh, this morning. And before I read that, uh, before I read that, it's interesting. Actually, Tim, leave that up. Believe it or not, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. This is the verse preceding. This is where we left off last week. I think it's important. I just want to read it to you real quick. It says, little children, in that last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist, big A, Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists, little a, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Can you go to verse 19? Maybe not. It's okay. I can, I can read verse 19 uh, for us if I can see this. It uh, says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have been continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Then verse 20 was this. But you, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You, us, those who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Because of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you can know all things. And we talked last week is, you can't say, I don't know anymore. You can't say, I don't know anymore. If you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you, you can say, I don't know the answer yet. God has not revealed the answer to me yet. But to make a declarative statement that says, I don't know, is not biblical. It's not biblical. And so you know how many times I was tempted to say, or I actually did say the phrase, I don't know this week? Uh, quite a few, right? How many, and I guess when we realize it, when, you know, I think the message last week was good for me. I don't know about you, but it was good for me. So, you know, I was preaching to myself last week. But when you begin, when you say it, and then it resonated with me, and then I heard myself saying it. Well, I'm, I don't know. And that would be the end of my sentence. Well, I don't know. Well, if we keep declaring that we don't know, eventually we don't know. Right? I mean, we begin to have what we say. And so there's power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you are speaking death. You're speaking that you don't know. It's a declarative statement that you don't know. And so what we talked about last week is that, no, we can know. We absolutely can know. It says, but you have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And then verse 21 says this. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. You know the truth. And that there is no lie is of the truth. And what I want us to recognize, too, that that just means that the Holy Spirit on the inside know us, but it also means we can recognize that big A Antichrist and the little A Antichrist in the preceding verses before it. So we must put these things into context. It also means that. So verse 22 says this. It's going to begin to define what an antichrist is. Because I think we hear the word a lot. It gets out there a lot. We, you know, we, we look at people in other countries and it's got to come somewhere from the Middle East. And it has to come from this location. I wonder if it's this one. I wonder if it's that one. But look at this. It says verse 22. 1 John 2 verse 22. Who is a liar 
But he who denies Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Real clear. Antichrist denies Jesus. Denies Jesus is who he says he is, does what he says he will do, and denies that he is in fact 100% God and 100% man. Yes, at the same time. And I believe I wanted, to, I wanted to walk through some scriptures with you for you to understand that. Verse 23 says this, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So what, what does this mean? He who denies Jesus. Is it that they deny he was a good person? Well, not really. Is it that they deny he was a prophet? Well, not really. What they're saying is that they're denying that Jesus is in fact God. That anyone who says that is actually is believing a lie. One of the statements on our website is this. You know, we have the belief section. You know, you have like these sections on your website and there's this belief section. And we actually talked about that maybe I do a series like one time just for like a couple weeks of our belief statements. Because you sit here in this church and you sit under this teaching and you hear this teaching. But do you really believe and do you really understand and know what we believe? Because it's important to know where you stand. On certain things. It says, We believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his virgin birth, in his sinless life, in his miracles, in his atoning death through his shed blood, in his bodily resurrection, in his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and in his personal return in power and in glory. This is what we believe. So, what does all that mean, Pastor Jason? What are you talking about? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what I'm talking about. And that he's the second person of the Trinity, and on earth Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He's the only man to ever have lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin, and he lived an absolute sinless life. Not possible for you and me, really. Performed miracles, died on the cross, atoned for our sins through the shedding of his blood, rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and again will return in glory and to set up his kingdom. That's who we believe, that's what we believe as a church, who Jesus Christ is. I have some scriptures I want to talk to you about here, and then we're going to get into the rest of the message here. John 1 1 says this In the beginning, was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Bible referenced over and over that Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what this is saying is Jesus has been here forever. He's been here since the beginning. From the very beginning, Jesus was there. Then it says in John 1.14, and just listen to me if we, if we don't have him up there, I know they're working on it back there. But John 1.14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we have to understand that Jesus was 100% God from the beginning of time. And when he came down... As a baby, born to a virgin, he was 100% man at the same time. And he lived and walked on this earth as both 100% man, 100% God. 
And do you know that as Jesus took that fleshly form, as he became a baby and grew up into a man, that Jesus now in heaven, as he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, is still in a form that we would recognize? He didn't just like come down then just to be a man for a little bit and then go back and just be only God and not man. He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so when he returns, he will return in a form that we recognize and we see and it's Jesus coming down from heaven. We will recognize him, fully God, fully man. 1 Timothy 3 says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Fully God, fully man. And we need to be careful with any, really, religion or any any words that believe that, that he is not fully God and fully man. Philippians 2.5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Fully God. And then 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, And there is one God under the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Fully man. Then the last scripture I want to, I'm not doing a theological thing on Jesus here in our beliefs. I just want us to understand that it's these things. If you don't believe these things is what that previous scripture is saying. But we have the opportunity and the ability to discern that and to see that because of the Holy Spirit on the one on the inside of us. And the takeaway here really is if you're concerned about being deceived... If you're concerned about not knowing these end times and understand what's Antichrist and what's this, what's that, then you need to get to know Jesus better. Because as I said last week, as as uh, those who study, you can figure out a counterfeit dollar bill. You know how they do that, how they train those people? Not by looking at every possible counterfeit potential. They do it by studying the real thing. They do it by knowing what the real thing looks like, what the real thing feels like, what the real thing just in your fingers, in your touch, what you can actually handle and believe. And so when you see something that's not that, it's recognizable. And so we as a church and you as a, we have to, as a people need to be so in tune with Jesus, have such a relationship with Jesus that we know him so well that anything else that would try to set itself up against Jesus, we would know it in a heartbeat. We would know it in a, in a second. I know all things. The Bible says I can know all things. But we have to study the real thing. We have to know the real thing. Revelation 1, 7 and 8 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Oh, we're going to see him, guys. We're going to see him. I'm not saying the rapture and all the tribulation is all going to happen in our time. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but every one of us is going to see him. We're going to stand before him. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. The Bible says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is who was and who is to come, 
the Almighty. Amen? This is the good news, church. This is the good news of the gospel. Who he is is what you said earlier. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is real. That he did what he said he did. The Bible is true. He actually did these things. And he is now at the right hand of the Father. And this is why we pray in Jesus' name. Because he's up there. You understand he became fully man so that he could understand what you and I are faced with? He's gone through everything you've gone through. Every challenge that you have. You say, well, he wasn't married. Man, does he understand relationships? That's right. Everything. We talk with Annie, it's just like we can have a conversation with Jesus. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. We actually can, yet we go day in and day out without having this conversation with this loving Savior who came, who is real, who wants a relationship with us. This is good news, church. So in, the, in my career, you know, from a leadership perspective, I would have what I would call one-on-ones. Anybody here have like a one-on-one? Where a manager and then the person that works for that manager has a sit-down and they have a discussion. It's called a one-on-one. I mean, it's, I mean, it's called other things, but I called it a one-on-one. And I would meet with people and we'd have a one-on-one conversation and we would talk back and forth. And it was a two-way conversation. And they would share how they're feeling and the, and the challenges that they have. And I would share back with them. And it was like this relationship. And the more we had these one-on-ones, the tighter the relationship became. The more input that that person would receive from me in their life. And I begin to think about having one-on-ones with Jesus. Can we have some one-on-ones with Jesus this week? Can we just set aside everything else and be like, you know what? I'm scheduling a one-on-one with Jesus. I'm putting this thing in my calendar, in my Google calendar, in my Outlook calendar, and every other calendar that I have that tries to tell me what to do when I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to schedule a one-on-one with Jesus. Because you guys need to know, you can be honest with him. You can be real with him. You don't have to go to him continuously and grovel, like we said this morning, for, oh, grovel for this and for that. He, wants to, he knows how you're feeling anyway. So just tell him. It's actually, it's actually therapeutic in some ways. Just say it. Jesus, I'm feeling this way. I'm sensing this. I need help with this. I can't do this anymore. And he understands because he was 100% man. But you see, he can do something about it because he's 100% God. You see what see that there? So he is 100% God and man, but it's because he, gets to, he now has power to do something with it. And he's got the power that's in his name, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's at the right hand of the Father, and guess what? He's whispering over to Father God saying, hey, one of my peeps, I just had a one-on-one with him. And let me tell you, what they're struggling with. And let's start making some stuff happen. You know, when we pray, we don't change God. When we pray, we begin to change ourselves. And God is asking, prayer is a very interesting thing. We should do like a series on prayer. Prayer is an interesting thing. It really, it moves the heart of God when we pray the word of God back to him. 
And so prayer is so important. And he hears our prayers. And he promises to be with us. He promises never to leave us and never to forsake us. Bring your issue and your concern to him this week. Whatever it is. Have a one-on-one with Jesus this week. Can we do that? Verse 24 says this. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that you heard from the beginning, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Here's back to this word abide. Just being in his presence. Being in his presence. These one-on-ones with Jesus is being in his presence. Abide in the word. We need to be abiding in this word. We need to soak it in. I believe Don, Uncle Don did a, a message on this, I believe, last Sunday night. And I was thinking about this word and what do we do with this word as we read through it. We write it down. We pray on it. We work it out. We pass it on. We study it. We memorize it. We meditate on it. We share it. There's so much power in this word. So much power in this word. You say, oh, I can't conceptualize Jesus. I don't know what it's like to do a one-on-one with him. I don't understand what you're saying. Let's get in here. Let's get in here. Because what we read earlier is what Jesus is the word. Is he not? He is the word. He was the word from the beginning. Which means if he is the word, when we get into this, we're actually here with Jesus. We are abiding with Jesus when we're in the word of God. And I absolutely love the word of God because I can read the same scripture a hundred times and the Lord speaks a hundred different truths to us. Read the scripture over and over and then you read it one day, you're like, whoa, what? Because it's alive, it's living, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Next verse down says this, and this is the promise that he had promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. What a wonderful promise. Our hope, we talked about this last week, our hope needs to be rooted in his kingdom. Verse 26 says this, back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. This is like, this is like wrapping up the scriptures we've already looked at. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Uh Uh-oh. Am I out of a job? Yeah? (laughs) Okay, this is not saying that the five-fold ministry has, you know, no longer has any value. But what this is saying is that if the anointing and the Holy Spirit abides on the inside of you and you are reading the word of God, he will reveal truth to you, everything that you need to know when you need to know it. You say, well, how is that true? Well, you think this is what church is all around the world? Right? I I see the Lavin family like, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, no. Been around the world, been to Africa, been to Portugal. No, no. This is not what church looks like in the majority of the world. They don't have teachers up here teaching scriptures. No, they have to get into the word of God on a daily basis on their own and let the Holy Spirit lead them and guide them and witness to them. That is so important. Yet we don't see it as that important, even me included sometimes. 
There are parts of the world that they have to be so in tune with God, they need to know what bus to get on in the morning. Because one of those buses might end up blowing up. If you had to live your life like that, you would be so attuned to what God is saying. Well, guess what? We do need to live our life that way. Just because we're blessed to be in this country doesn't mean that we are not to be digging into his word and hearing his Holy Spirit and knowing that he can teach us and lead us in all things. Not wait till the next, you know, whomever, John Hagee sermon comes up. Well, I don't know what John Hagee's going to say this week. Can't wait till he posts his new podcast so I can hear from God. You don't have to wait for that. Don't have to wait for Sunday morning. Don't have to wait for it. It says it right there. You do not need anyone to teach you. Now, is it helpful that people teach? Absolutely. I'm not working myself out of a job. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it is taught to you, you will abide in him. Verse 28, I want to wrap it up with these scriptures here. Verse 28. And now little children, part of his family, abide in him that when he appears, listen to this, I want to focus on this just for a few minutes. That when he appears, we may have confidence. He's coming back. We're going to see him face to face. Whether when he comes back or whether we go up there, whatever it is. If he tarries until we pass. That we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. This gets back to being part of his family. Gets back to believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and that if we believe in him, if we believe in him, we can walk through this life not being afraid of his return. Guys, we can walk through this life not being afraid of his return or the tribulation that will come or the challenges that we have in our life. We can be assured because we have him on the inside. We can abide in him so that we have confidence and that we do not have to be ashamed. You know, when we have a relationship with our kids and it's at a healthy place at the moment, right, because we know that they move around, Relationship with kids, especially little kids, they move around. When I have a healthy relationship with my kids, they're always asking me questions. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. I'm not, I'm, like, you think I'm, like, joking, like, how often the word, hey, Dad, comes up. I am not. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. And they're constant. They want to be close to me. They want my input. Dad, I want to just t tell you, I want to tell you what I'm doing. I have a question to ask you. And they want to have this relationship with their father. But you know what? You know how I know if they're in trouble? Ooh. Do we have kids? Where are they? I don't hear anything. As Tammy can attest to, this week in the office, I brought Maggie, little Maggie Mae. She's three. And I was in a meeting, and I was the sole responsible, I was solely responsible for Maggie. And I was in a meeting, and I heard Maggie doing this, doing that, and I kept my ear out, and Tammy and I were talking about finances or insurance or whatever we were talking about. 
And then it got quiet. And I started to say, hmm. I think I mentioned to him, I was like, hmm. Where's Maggie? I wonder. Found out she was chipping paint off in the hallway of the closet there. So there's just little pieces of paint that she was chipping off. And there was this whole pile of like paint chips on the ground here. And I walked out and I found her. I said, hey, Maggie, what you doing? She's like, She's just staring at me like, hmm, what do you mean? What do you mean? What am I doing? No, I'm doing nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. I know you were up to something. You see, but in our relationship with God, he wants us to be, I, I enjoy when they're close. He wants us to have a relationship that's close with him. He wants us to be confident in our standing with him. He wants us to have that reconciliation and say, Lord, even though I was far from you, I'm returning. Even though I walked away, I'm returning. Even though I was three rooms away, chipping paint off the wall, I'm coming back to the Father. And I believe that's the message this morning. We need to come back to him. Fully and completely come back to him. So we are not ashamed, but we are confident that when we see him, we will know that we are written in the book of life and that he is a loving and caring father. Amen? Michael, you want to come back up here? So how can we be confident and not be ashamed? We have to invite him into our life. Invite him to every area of our life. He promises to be with us You know, I ask myself this question, what is success? And I think we got a really poor definition of success in the United States of America. Really, probably globally. But we begin to look at success as how much money is in our bank account. We begin to look at success at the job that we have or the business that we own or the school that we got into, or the grades that are on my exams. And not that any of those are bad or wrong, but it's a really poor definition of success. And I believe that this is really what success is, is that ultimate success is knowing for sure that you're going to heaven. Ultimate success is saying, I can't do this on my own. It doesn't matter the position, the job that God's called me to, although that's a whole other message and is important as we walk through this life. But ultimate success is knowing, is this scripture right here, is that when we he appears, that we have confidence and that we are not ashamed at his coming. Ultimate success. And I think it's important that we, as people, need to know what he's going to ask us when we see him face to face. And I believe he's going to ask us a couple questions. And the first question he's going to ask us is, did you love me? with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Of course, we all can get better. It's all a journey. 
but he wants us to be close to him. He wants a relationship so deep with us. He's going to ask us how well we loved others, and of course we will have had successes and failures in that in our lives. But you know what? He's going to open up the book. He's going to open up that book of life. And those who have accepted him and invited him in, your name will be in the book. And so no matter what happened on this earth, no matter what we've done, no matter how we've failed, he paid the price for it all. Every sin, every fail, he paid the price. And he will welcome us in with open arms. What a wonderful picture of a loving, loving God. Bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you feel like you're three rooms away, The word of the Lord this morning is, is he's not as far away as you think he is. So if that's you this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you feel like you're rooms and rooms away, and you're saying, today is the day I want to restore my relationship with my Lord and Savior, just slip your hand up this morning. Amen, I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Those who raise their hands up, we're just gonna, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for those hearts who are crying out that says, I just want to be near to you. That as they turn around, they'll realize that you were right there the whole time. And Father, that you would begin to penetrate their life with your light. That you will illuminate the darkness. Father, that you begin to transform their minds through your word. So, Father, those that raise their hands, they just receive you today. You are a good, good Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Honey, you want to share something? So I know I'm not the only one who grew up in a house where if it was quiet, it meant you were safe. Mm. If it was quiet and you were quiet, then you were really safe. (laughs) So coming to Jesus and having a conversation and telling him how I feel is not always 
Mm-hmm. It, it hasn't been the most easiest thing for me to do because it requires that I trust him. And I trust that he's not my earthly father, that, you know, there's not going to be punishment mm-hmm. if I don't say the right thing or feel, if I'm not feeling the right way. Um, and I know I'm not the only one. And that's the good news, right? Is that the love of the Father is perfect. And it's safe. Um, And so, you know, that journey in getting to know him, it changes everything. Um, If you raise your hand this morning, you know, I had my head bowed and my eyes closed like I was told. (laughs) But I want to just... Okay, I won't hug you unless you want me to, but I, I need to know who you are. So after church, don't run away because we have something for you. Because this is like a journey and we are all, in, you know, we're all on the journey together. And um, it's like, I don't know, I've learned so much from him. Um, and I know that he's learned from me. Um, but how to know Jesus, right? I love your, you were like, you know, get in the word. And that has helped me to spend time in the Gospels and really to picture him. And I do this a lot, you know. I don't, I don't ever picture the apostles as like these holy men who are nothing like me. I picture them just like me. You know what I mean? Like they were stinky fishermen, absolutely unqualified. I find it so interesting that Jesus came and didn't reveal himself to the scribes and the Pharisees. The men who had studied the scriptures for hundreds of years waiting for the Messiah missed him completely. But it was the, the people, like regular people, that had eyes to see him. So um, this week, I had the opportunity to have real talk with Jesus. And I had this conversation. I was like, okay, Lord, you know, Jason's asking me for direction and what to do. And I'm afraid of giving him the wrong answer. Because if I, if I just pick what I think is the right thing to do and it's the wrong thing, it's actually going to turn out really bad. And I don't know what to do. And almost immediately, he answered me. Mm. I didn't hear him audibly with my ears, but I mean, on the inside, immediately I heard one word. And I knew it was him because the thing he said to do was so not Mm. me. It's not something I would ever want to do (laughs) or ever think to do. And so it it took some faith for me to believe he just answered me. And then it took some more faith to tell him what the Lord had said, because this thing, I knew he hate, he did not like the thing. He wasn't going to like the answer. <clears throat> so it took some faith on his part to trust that I had heard the Lord correctly. And we both walked out in faith, and there was blessing upon blessing in that thing. Amen. This is the walk, guys. Amen. This is Jesus in real time, That's right. real people. It's always my I don't know prayers that he answers so right. quickly. The I need you prayer. And he answers me so quickly. Um, And then the only other thing was, guys, you know, there's so much going on in the world out there that we're busy. And then, you know, our country's just in a place where it's just never been before. Um, And I think that there's a real lack of beauty. And I think that God is found in beauty. I think that um, the beauty of his creation is a gift to us. Amen. It was created for our joy, to nourish us, Amen. to nourish our hearts. And in his creation, we see his glory. Amen. We see 
his majesty. And we see his greatness. And when we stand and we see beauty, whether it's just pausing for a minute out our back window and looking at our beautiful landscaping, or if it's, um, if it's taking a minute to watch our kids interact when they're doing it really sweetly, just looking for these moments of beauty in God's creation and soaking them in because he's, he's, in, he's in that. Now, I'm not saying that God is in trees. He's not in trees. That's not where God lives. He lives in He lives in me. He lives in you. But there's a real lack of beauty. So I'm telling you, feast on the beauty of God. Feel his glory. Feel that greatness. And know that we are a part of that and that he takes great pleasure in us. That we were, we were created to be bearers of his glory. And, um, and then we can go to the word and we can see how much more he loves us and values us than all the glories of nature. Amen. We mean more to him than even that. Amen. So. Amen. You guys stand with me here as we close. Prayer team is going to uh, come up. We've got a couple of prayer teams up here that can pray with you, whatever your need might be, that will agree with you here in prayer. But as a wrap-up of the last two weeks, I want to remind you of a couple things. You have overcoming power. You have the ability to love. You have the anointing. You have access to everything you need to know for all situations. And you have confidence, and you will not be ashamed when you meet him face to face. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me just read this benediction to you. Out of Ephesians 1, it says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Father, we thank you for your working, your moving. We thank you for all that you do for us. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. And we're looking forward to our one-on-ones with you this week. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. If you did raise your hand up, I'd like to see you up here. I have something for you.